Podcast. Yeah, because it'd be weirder if we sat like here and you sat there. Then that would be really real interview vibes, wouldn't it? Yeah, if we sat opposite well, it you. Is an yeah, but like more. I think this isn't formal. An, is it an interview? It's an interviewee chat. That's the way I look okay. at it. This is just a podcast. That's <laughs> not what they are these days. What is your format? Do you do any certain format or do you just chat? We chat away, really. And we, yeah. come, we obviously talk about kind of what we like to discuss as a pair. Like, right. So we've got a few thoughts and we... Cham normally makes a little list that we try and keep I do have a list to. for you as well, yeah. by the way. And we are rolling. Oh, are we? Yeah, I just oh, thought I'd press record without telling you. Okay. No one likes a, a moment, do they? We're like, we're recording, pressure. Okay. It does feel way more like, go. I always struggle with that. I just keep laughing and failing. Failing. <laughs> so I maybe I should try what you're doing. <laughs> do it. Just press record and go yeah. whenever it yeah, feels good. And then you can edit it. It's maybe. Peer-to-peer maybe. constructive help group. For yeah, hopefully. For pod- maybe we should create like a Cornwall Podcasting Society. I'll be surprised if there isn't one already. I bet there is in Falmouth. It's got to be. In Falmouth. There's one I know, but it'd be shit though, wouldn't it? Would yeah, it? not feel right. <laughs> you probably have to have a student pass I to know, get in. I know, we all like the Falmouth students. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you were a Falmouth student for a you? month. You oh. were, yeah, but then I was too ill and I I left. Oh, all oh, right, never went back. No. What did you study for that two months or whatever it was? Creative advertising. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I I just didn't really feel like it was worth the money, no, so I I left and I was also ill, so I left. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it just wasn't really my scene. Um, Falmouth. <laughs> Is a scene, isn't it? Yeah, you got to fit in. I, I wasn't. I wasn't really the Exeter student type, and I wasn't the the arty, druggy type. I was just Ill, the ill type, I suppose. Yeah. The ill type, <laughs> and I didn't really fit in with anyone. So I went home and spent time with my cat and oh, my parents. And that was that. And that was that. Till I mm. had my transplant. Yeah. Amazing. So, you're Eliza. I am Eliza. And what do you do? Um, I do lots of things, uh, but I mainly uh, coach transplant patients, uh, mentor transplant patients, and I have my own podcast. Mm. And I'm training to be a counsellor. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So lots Seems going like a on. Good, good way direction to go with uh, what's happened with you and everything. So yeah. obviously, tell us how you got into that because that does not sound like the type of thing that most people would sort of walk into. No. Um, so from a very early age, 12 years old, uh, I found out, or the doctors found out, that I had a heart condition called cardiomyopathy. Uh, and that was caused by Danon's disease, which is a super, super, super rare condition, which weakens your muscles and your heart and causes some drama with your eyes Sorry, as well. what was that called? Danon's disease. Right. Yeah, you wouldn't know what it I've is. I've never heard of that. No. Did you say like Danone? Yeah, like is that. It like yeah, that? literally like that. Oh, like, oh Danone. What, like oh. the yogurt? Yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's what I thought. I was trying to get the yeah. word, the yeah. right word. Oh, okay, cool. Exactly, but um, quite funny with that disease because in men, if you have the condition as a boy, um, you can be intellectually disabled. So I was chatting to an someone that was interviewing me once and she put this top of the interview, like Eliza has Danone's disease, which can make you intellectually disabled. And I was like, what the fuck? Can you take that out, really? please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but 
not females. Luckily, I'm not a guy. So. Yeah. So that's one bonus. Yeah. So where did that lead you then? So that, that was at 12 years old. So I was 12 years old when that happened. Uh, before that, I was a completely normal child. Uh, so it was a bit of a shock. Um, I kind of went on normally till I was about 14. And I started having little heart episodes. Uh, you know, when you're 14, you go to like discos and stuff. Mm. And I just went to this disco with some friends for a party and my heart just starts going off. And again, I think I was doing ballet. Don't laugh. I was doing ballet. And uh, my heart started going off and it got to a point where my doctors were like, you're going to need a pacemaker. So at 14, I had my first pacemaker, which normally you get when you're like 60 plus. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I had more in common with OAPs than people my own age at that point. Um, Just touch on pacemakers a minute because I feel like everyone knows the word and kind of what they do, but not exactly. Yeah. So what does it involve? So a pacemaker is this like box that's probably the size of your palm and they insert it under the left side of your skin above your ribs chest don't yeah. chest not your ribs right up the top <laughs> uh, yeah right at the top and then they put these like little leads into your heart so then if your if your heart's going too slowly it will pace it up and then if your heart's going too slow it will no i said it the wrong way didn't i if it's going fast it will slow it down if it's yeah. going right. slow it will fasten it up right okay yeah. so it tries to regulate your your beats per minute i yeah. guess yeah yeah, exactly. Or right. if you're, say, walking up a hill, it will support your heart in going up a hill. Um, wow. Yeah, it's pretty nifty. So it's like a battery pack for your heart. Yeah. Um, and because um, I had both issues of slow and fast heart, they gave me like an IUD, which is like both. It sounds a bit like a bomb, doesn't it? Um, so is that like two? It's like two in one. Two, two pacemakers. Some like a pacemaker and a de- defibrillator. Oh, in one. okay, yeah, yeah. So I could also get shocked by it, but I never did, right, luckily. Okay. Um, but I'd go to hospital at like 17, 18, and I would maybe have like one drink in a year, mm. and they would know when I'd had that drink. Shit. It was because they put this like little hoop over it, and then it would come up with like more my, you know, heart anal- analysis. Yeah. And analysis. Yeah. No, I'm leaving that in there. No. It's definitely staying. It's staying. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Um, yeah, so that was always quite funny, but annoying yeah. at the same time. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So they can take like a record of your heart. Yeah, yeah. Through a pacemaker. And yeah, and then it got to the point where they gave me this box to take home, which meant that all my um, information from my pacemaker would go straight to them every day from Cornwall. Oh. Because obviously my, well, not obviously, but my heart centre was in Bristol. Because that was like the closest ah. decent place. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Is that still the case then? Uh, no, I go to Cambridge now. Oh, it's got further. Oh, I right. know. It's going well. <laughs> I mean, Cambridge okay. is one of the best hospitals for this kind of thing. Papworth is a transplant hospital. Okay. Right. So it's the type of place, these places are pretty... Well, I guess if it was the Bristol, the Children's Hospital, then did you? So have to I go did to go to Bristol time? Children's Hospital. Yeah. But then I went to the adults one right. afterwards. Okay. Um, and I had a really great doctor called Dr. Stewart, mm. such a dude. Um, and he was with me throughout from 12 to 20. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I guess that's the type of, that's a, 
sounds like the best way to do the, that type of care, I would assume, as well, right? Yeah. Some, you know, sometimes transition between children's hospital and adult hospital can be really shit. Yeah. Um, I was quite lucky because they were both, like, next to each other. Mm. Same doctor. But, you know, going in at 14 to this... Um, adult hospital and sitting in an appointment room with all like 70 year olds is yeah pretty it's a shocker, um, isn't it, it yeah. that's when it hits you because before you're just with young people and you're like oh this is totally yeah. normal yeah but then you go to yeah adult hospital and you're like oh shit like this isn't normal was that a feeling you had a lot then like i shouldn't be here this shouldn't be happening to me i think early on there was a lot of denial so i would say to people i have a heart condition uh, but it doesn't affect me until it got to a point when it was affecting me but i was still saying it wasn't affecting me um and that denial it was like me being stubborn like i just wanted to be normal and fit in because you know like especially at that age teenagers just want to fit in don't they and be normal and be able to do what everyone else is doing and i couldn't i couldn't drink couldn't do drugs couldn't go and dance on a dance floor without you know potential of having a heart attack yeah yeah um so I'm kind of li- mm. living my years now. <laughs> I'm 24. You're in a much better <laughs> position now. But before we yeah. get to where you are now, yeah. what happened after the age of 12? So you had that pacemaker fitted. 14. That was a 14. 14. 16, I was told I'd need a transplant. So okay. no one had told me this before. before that age, which is, you know, fair yeah. enough. Did, and Sorry, did they know that you'd need that at before that and they just waited to tell you at 16 do you think or yeah so at age 12 I basically had um, a respiratory arrest that led me to going to Bristol Children's Hospital so I was in a coma and the doctor told my mum and dad she's going to live but she'll need a transplant Uh, yeah right okay they didn't tell me that till I was 16 right Right. okay and you know you think oh would I prefer to know or would I you know am I happy just not knowing to that point and probably it was best not to know so I could just have a few years of normality yeah um but then being told I'd need a transplant you know it's a bit of a slap in the face yeah you know you just start your GCSEs and you're like what's the fucking point (laughs) yeah I I might die anyway (laughs) um so yeah that was tough it was just kind of reworking everything in my mind of what life was what life could potentially life be yeah, like in right. a few years time um but i kind of just kept ticking along and um, till about a levels i kept getting worse like i'd start having games with myself to walk up the stairs mm-hmm. because i couldn't walk up the stairs i'd like hold my breath and then run up the stairs so to almost trick my heart into thinking i hadn't gone up the stairs Right. Because my heart would start doing wacky stuff. Okay, right. Um, and I couldn't run for the bus. Um, I couldn't go to the gym. My, my body was just getting worse mm. and the medication I was on wasn't working. And from about 14 to 20, the doctor just kept changing my medications, changing, 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 as my heart would stop allowing that medication to work on me right. until it got to a point where no medication would work for me oh man yeah that's and mad, so that's that's a hard time of your life anyway in it your teenage years your later teenage exams years, going through yeah. all that shit yeah and then you've got that to deal with at the same time that must have been i think i was just really resilient and i just i think i just blocked a lot of it out mm. i think around that time i put a lot of walls up it just it was just about being resilient and getting through it mm. i think almost my exams saved me a little bit because 
it was a focus that wasn't my health. Mm. And I was like, I need to get my GCSEs done so I can have a life one day. I need to get my A-levels done so I can have, have life one day. Mm. You know, now I know I don't need those to have a life. But, you know, at the time, at you the think time. you do. It's like that or... Little goals, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think that's key, though. It's key with everything, isn't it? It's, um... Well, even more so if you don't, like... Because you go to, like, sort of 16, and you think, oh, what am I going to do with my life? And then to be told, yeah. you know, well, maybe... You, it's a bit of an unknown. It's such an unknown, isn't it? You just like, like you said, like I don't have, I don't have a. Where, where, what becomes like the, the point of you doing any of it in the first place? Yeah. Like I, I didn't really care about my exams in the first place, but that's because I'm just, I just didn't look at it like as worthwhile in the first place. At, <laughs> even at that age, it doesn't but show that, at all, man. No, no, no. Obviously, clearly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, for like some, you know, if you thought it was going to be get you somewhere and stuff and it's just like what yeah what are you gonna do like what how did you just what what did you study uh god i can't even remember what gcse's or a levels? both go a levels actually is but politics art english lit and history okay good choices yeah not bad i like that so at least i can follow politics now yeah do you do, you do that? yeah kind of not at the do moment you? i've it's given boring. up a bit at the moment I'm just um, focusing on my mental health and see something. I think what you do is almost a little bit political, though, isn't it? It's um, raising awareness for something that's such an underground thing that no one talks about, especially in Cornwall. Like, I don't feel like transplants are spoken about at all. No. um, I mean, there's no transplant centre in Cornwall. We have um, NHSBT Cornwall. So there's a group of lovely people at Trelisk who... Um, our organ donation nurses, organ donation clinical leads, link nurses who make organ donation happen in the county. Obviously, there's not loads of organ donors in the county because there's just not as many people. Yeah. Um, but they still um, deliver these organs all around the country. Um, but they also use Trelisk as a base to then go and receive organs from other hospitals around the southwest mm. even in wales so they're bloody amazing um but yeah it's not massively talked about and i i suppose that's the reason why i wanted to come on and have a chat with you guys mm. to almost reach out to those communities that probably don't have those conversations and you know would be great if they if they could please yeah especially on transplant awareness week yeah is that what i'm is that organ what it is? donation, organ donation. Week. that's okay i was close Close. It's also a good the name for it, though. Week. It's not a bad name for it. You just made it up there. We can make it. We I can. Guess. We can make right. it a thing. Should we do another week for it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Pangs transplant awareness <laughs> week. <laughs> Be great fun. Yeah. The only thing I can transplant is about hair. You've got a lot of hair. I've got a lot of hair. <laughs> that's about that's as good as I can do. I think. Yeah. Some people. The rest of my body is not used for anybody else. I don't reckon. It might be though. It, it might be. Might be. It might be. But we'll see. You're it quite will. good at running around for a long period of time. Yeah, I guess At I'm football. Not achieving much, but... We all about... <laughs> I just scored five goals this weekend. Oh, fuck it. I know. Believe it. That's pretty good. I know, I'm really proud about it. Can you not tell? Sorry. It's not about me. It's about Eliza. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, we need, do need to do that. We haven't welcomed no one yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what we're like. We didn't even welcome Eliza yet properly. I'm completely lost right now. <laughs> so we, so don't worry about it. We'll catch up. This is what it's all about. This is. Real pub conversation. Yeah. In it. So you got to your, where were we with your timeline? You were 16, weren't you? Uh, we were talking about our A-levels. but then We, we were 18. Yeah. 18. I want to know about the transplant. I want to know about that. What do you want to know? 
How, what is it like? I feel like that's a broad question, but that is honestly what I want to ask you. Like, what is it like having a heart transplant? I don't know because I was asleep. Right. Um, <laughs> good, good. <laughs> you have to ask my surgeon that one. Yeah. Um, well, having a transplant, it's pretty daunting. Um, a lot of people describe it as plumbing. So um, they take your heart out and plumb a new one in because it's, I think it's like four arteries. And then they plumb them all out and then plumb them all in and you're on a bypass machine. Um, so yeah, I was knocked out. Um, I think it took about four hours for me, which isn't too bad um, to have a whole new four heart. Four hours, hours. Yeah, really? In. That's so quick. That does seem quick, doesn't it? People are different, <laughs> but I guess I'm, I'm youthful. Right. And mm. um, my heart's younger, so it kind of, I don't know, it's easier to put a new heart Less into. Less complications, maybe. Yeah. Wild to think in the so first place yeah. that you can even do that. It, it does seem very, like, simple. I know it's probably yeah. not. Um, it probably definitely isn't. But, like, the way you've just described it is just take one out, put one in, and then start it up and away you go, is it? Or is there... Um, I'll be honest, I haven't really looked too much into the details of how it's yeah. done because it's a little bit squeamish. I'm like, yeah. are, you, are you quite me. squeamish? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I haven't attempted to um, watch like On no. the Edge, like, you know, the BBC documentary On the Edge yeah. or whatever it's called because there's a heart transplant on mm. there. Um, but yeah, it's like plumbing. Um, That's mad. This so is my way the, of dealing with it. It's plumbing. Yeah, <laughs> you've, you've been plumbed. So um, <laughs> after that. After that, the recovery process. Do you remember that much? Um, I woke up, um, or like I was kind of half awake, and I could hear um, nurses saying, Liza, Liza, are you awake? And I just remember afterwards, this has come back to me, like I start putting my thumbs up and doing like this. Yeah. I don't know what you call that. Okay. Yeah, okay. like okay, thumbs up. Um, and I had still had the tube down my throat mm. and they were like saying, are you happy for us to take the tube out? So they take this tube out and that's fucking awful, isn't it's it? It's the worst bit, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> and um, yeah, so they take the tube out and then, you know, you're just groggy for like 24 hours. Um, and then, yeah, you just slowly start moving. You're on these awful like airbeds i don't know if you've seen those airbeds but they're awful in mm. intensive care oh yeah and they just kind of move you yeah oh god oh, yeah right. yeah so i was in intensive care for about four days mm. um and they slowly try and get you out of bed bearing in mind your sternum's been opened up and put back together yeah, yeah. so it's a lot of pain a lot of morphine it's a humongous lots of drugs yeah so, yeah, um, you know, I've never had drugs in my life. So when I'm in hospital, I'm the biggest druggie oh, you yeah, can find. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had quite a lot of hallucinations. Um, I watched seven seasons of Game of Thrones when I was in uh, waiting because I was on the urgent list waiting right. for a month. So I didn't have any fresh air, oh, stayed in shit. hospital bed. Uh, so when I was on all this morphine, I thought the nurse was trying to kill the dragon and I was Daenerys. <laughs> Um, that's that pretty fun. cool. That is, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that's, that's a good way of living that, yeah. that program, to be fair. Yeah, it was great. Um, so, yeah, it was a slow, slow first few days. Couldn't really eat anything. Um, it was literally as little as standing up and stamping on the floor. Like, that was the amount of movement I could mm, do. Mm. Being moved by, like, seven people to a chair. Like, your whole body just... just just goes and yeah. your muscles go because you haven't moved for days. Yeah. Um, 
and then, yeah, you get moved to the surgical ward um, where you start moving a little bit more and getting used to things. There was one night where I think I just kept eating loads of food because when you're on steroids, you just want to eat and eat and eat and eat and you just get angry and pissy. And it's a very strange place and emotion, emotions to have. Mm. And um, my heart was beating like massively. Like I thought I was having a heart attack. And I said to the nurse, I was like, Sophie, like my heart's going. I think there's something wrong with me. And she's like, Eliza, your heart's just beating. Yeah. Because my heart was so faint right. and weak before. Oh, oh my goodness. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I was almost like feeling unu- it. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, it's such, yeah, that would be such an unusual feeling. I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. That's if you crazy. if you're so used to it just doing like a little bit, mm. and then suddenly it's actually doing like almost. It's gonna feel like it's like almost like pumping strong, out of your chest. Like I guess such a strong time. heartbeat. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know much about blood pressure, but I think it's like over 80 over 120 normally. Yeah, yeah. But normal, mine was it? like 40 over 60 when right. I was at my worst. Wow. So I was very wow. low. And people would do my blood, like nurses would do my blood pressure and they'd be like, what's wrong? And I was like, yeah. no, it's completely fine. That's my, my average. That's my standard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shit. Yeah. So, wow. um, so, so afterwards you were, was that, was your vitals all kind of normal quite quickly or was that a yeah. gradual process? Yeah, it's a gradual process because you're on so many medications because you're on dope. I was on dopamine beforehand. Um, so uh, the month before, I was on dope on a dopamine drip for 24 hours a day, right. which basically helps relax and help your heart pump better. Mm. Um, so they had to get me off that. And then I was on a massive amount of steroids um, and a load of other things, diuretics, because when your heart fails, um, water just stools in different areas of your body. Um, so it was taking all that off. I had this massive like tube in my neck, which everything went through. Right. So you're kind of like the, your ha- your ha- your head's like hanging off the side for like a good week after tr- after you've had your transplant. Um, and then every few days something else goes. So I had to have laughing gas when they took um the drains out my my wow. my tummy. Yeah. So I've got three little like dot scars here where the drains were um and then they had like a pacemaker that they kept on my heart after surgery which were these like wires wrapped around your heart so then i had to have them like pulled out whilst i was awake with no painkillers you speak about this really well because it's it's to be honest it's it's brutal brutal. yeah Yeah, it's brutal you speak about it well and i guess that's because you have spoken about it so much yeah i mean there's more areas I talk about more than others. Like this stuff I don't really talk about so much because, you know, I have five minutes to chat about it and I just kind of skim. Um, but yeah, the the hospital experience is brutal. Mm. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of pain involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something I think <laughs> you'd you want to have to go through really, I guess. <laughs> no, but, you know, I'd rather be here chatting to you now, boys, than be dead. I I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you are. T- I'm You're glad quite that you inspirational, are. actually. I'm like, really impressed. Looking across oh, the table thanks. at you, you could be making this up because you look... <laughs> you don't look like you've been through any of this. It's fake <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Largely bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> Get out. We've I just wanted to chat with you, boys. That was it. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's incredible. It is, honestly. Uh, you, you spoke about like when you was on steroids and like being a bit angry and stuff. Mm. I was like wondering like that, like the mental side of it more than just the physical side must be so it's traumatic. N- just but like so up and down as well because you you 
you, like you, I think you describe it as like being given a gift in some ways. I think sometimes, don't you? It's a gift it's receiving a, an organ. Yeah. But then just being in heart failure is a bloody nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Um, being on steroids, I remember crying over having too many glasses of water in front of me because I couldn't choose which one to, to have. Um, <laughs> oh there was God. no butter on the, the the toast with the baked beans and that was a total nightmare for me. <laughs> <laughs> the wow. porter was literally like in shock. Okay. <laughs> My reaction. Should, stop crying. There's no <laughs> butter. I'm going to get some butter. Hold on. Um, but before transplant, uh, I had three false alarms. Yeah. Um, so ment- if you're talking about mental health wise, um, the th- there's a thing called a false alarm. So that's when you get a call from your um, t- transplant team and they say there's a heart. Get here as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Cornwall to Cambridge is a very f- long way away. So yeah. I get called earlier. You get in an ambulance. You get blue lighted up to Cambridge. Wow. Um, so that happened twice. I got blue lighted up. Um, and then you have like the police behind you as well. Um, quite oh, fun. Exciting. That. Shit. A lot of so, adrenaline going on. Yeah, I'm trying not to be really like overly morbid here, but I'm trying to understand no, the process go, go of, of it. So obviously it's transplant week, so we've got to try and talk about this stuff. Like organ so, donation awareness week. Oh, for God's week. sake, Pang's <laughs> transplant week. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Pang's transplant week. <laughs> um, so that heart, did that just appear at that moment? Did that become available for you? Is that why you were rushed there? So... Jam, a person has to die to receive one. Of course. <laughs> but I was just wondering, is it literally like that? Is it So someone is either in a car crash or a quick ending. Yeah. Um, or there's another way you can receive hearts, and that's DCD. So oh, I always get this wrong. It's death. It's like a circulatory death rather than... Uh, DBD death, which I can't remember what it stands for. So it's DCD death is when someone is um, in a coma mm. and they're brain dead. So their body's still functioning, but their mm. brain's done, basically. Um, so if the doctor, you know, gets to a point where they're like, this person is not going to recover from this, they can then uh, proceed with um, working out if they could be organ donors. Right. So I had a DCD heart. Um, so that is right, one right. way. And that well, those are the two ways you can receive an organ uh obviously a dcd um organ the transplant teams have more time to work things out because that person can still be alive yeah and this is what i was trying to say like how is how are these decisions made and like someone's making these decisions there's like, lots of tests so yeah. there's lots of blood tests um there's lots of like movement tests they do and like they check the eyes and there literally has to be no chance that they'll survive. So there's a there's mm. a person in a bed and mm. they're not looking good, but the heart's probably fine, I'm guessing, at this point. Mm. And they know that. And they're on the organ mm. donation list. Mm. How do they know to call, for example, you? How do they know that heart is the one for you? Or is it, or is it is? That's a good question. Do Dan. you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, so I'm just really interested there, in It's that. a big process. It's yeah. a big process. So... Um, Say there's a person that's really ill and is not going to recover. The doctor will understand this. They will then go to the organ donor, organ donation nurse, who will then, they will work together to see if that person is eligible to donate a heart, a lung, kidney, pancreas, whatever. If that is able to happen, then the organ donation nurse will then go to the family 
and ask for the permission from the family um, so if they say yes or no to organ donation. So that is where the important bit comes in. Yeah, stop that there. That, so, so if you were to die and you, say, had not told your family you wanted to donate your organs, they may be really, you know, upset, emotional, shocked, like, of course they're going to be. They may feel really not in the right space to think about that and just go, no. And then mm. you get, okay. you know, you go and get so buried on the, on or the flip whatever. Side, then, if I had told them, could they still override my decision? Yeah. But wow. The fact okay. that if you tell them, if you tell your friends, your family, if you tell everyone, then at least say if your if your family said no, Pang might know. Yeah, yeah, you've. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I could go to your mum and just be like, yeah. No, he told me. Yeah, exactly. That he wanted to do it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and then they can fall out over it for you. Oh, ultimately, when you die, you don't have rights over your body. Your family do. Okay. Right. So I even if you obvious, said yes. They can still say no. Okay, even at that point where you've you've signed up to this list, I guess. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Okay, so I'm I'm going to do a thing right now. So I'm going to put myself on it now. I'm on the organ donation list from now. It's recorded. It's out there. It's yeah. done. Everyone knows. You can sign up. Do I have to sign? So I tell you one thing. I have done. You know yeah. when you do driver's license? Yeah. There's a thing on that to say, do you, do you want to be on the organ donation list? Yeah. And I definitely tick that out. Okay, time. well, you, you should be on it then. Yeah. But okay. that And I've always, I have told my family But before. it's an opt-out system now. So oh. everyone is down for organ donation yeah. unless you say no. no. Right. Mm. But that doesn't mean that your family might have be having a really off day and say yeah. no. Well, they might have like, I don't know, I guess religious reasons, I guess, could come into it sometimes or something. Or uh, heads of the religion in the UK support organ donation. Oh, okay. So that's really? Okay. Oh. Yeah. That surprises me, actually. Yeah, I'm yeah. surprised. Yeah, that is surprising. Cool, cool. Except Jehovah's Witnesses, probably. Mm. Yeah, that's the yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> something. Yeah, there's got to be one that doesn't like it. If not, they should. Yeah. If you're listening, Jehovah. It's hard to change dogma, though, isn't it? <laughs> dogma. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, everyone should be on that. And uh, by the sounds of it, the list is growing quite quickly. Um, yeah, uh, I should have brought some numbers, shouldn't I? Um, so there's more heart. I think on average, there's more people needing hearts and lungs than liver and kidneys because I think there's more kidneys and livers available. Hearts uh, and lungs yeah. are a bit more like of a of a delicacy. Yeah, <laughs> there's more issues <laughs> that well, can go wrong. Yeah. With them. I think as well because I've actually listened to uh, a few of your uh, podcast episodes. There's one that I really mm. thought was really great and actually it's got bags and bags of information on which was with it must have been uh like uh a nurse from this hospital up in what was it two sorry patworth patworth yeah, yeah. Was, it, was it was he a nurse or he's a yes or lead nurse in it was or it something? organ donation nurse it might have been yeah yeah i think it was was he, called, was he rich, richard richard yeah, it I didn't say it wrong then. yeah, yeah i'm sure it's richard <laughs> anyway there was loads of stuff on there so if you listening go to what what's your podcast called transplant chats Eliza. that's the one so go to that, find that episode, and you literally find yeah. out everything that you're talking and about. And that's with, on Spotify, isn't it? Yeah. It's on Spotify, Apple, yeah. all the and good podcast places. And on Instagram. You're on Instagram, I'm on you? Instagram, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm on Instagram if you want to give me a follow. Do it. See me there. in my bikini pictures. <laughs> Not very transplant related. <laughs> oh, at least that? you might prove you get your scars out. Like. Yeah, yeah, I was true, going to say. true. You prove it. Um, Normalise anyway. it, I guess. Yeah. Is that yeah, what you're trying to do? body positivity. Yeah, yeah I I put them up there to um, show other women with transplant scars and men that you know you can still have 
you can still enjoy your body and feel good in your body, even with a big fat scar down your chest. I think yeah. it'd be just cool. Yeah, I think it's, it's pretty cool. badass. Although I'm not yeah. a very badass person, it makes me look a bit harder. <laughs> hard. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah, so that's hard. how unhard <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. I was that's going cool. somewhere like I was going somewhere with talking cool. about that previous podcast. Really? Yeah, there was a point like I was leading on oh. to something via also I mean, I plugging your chat yours. about some shit if you yeah, want. He was going on about because you was talking about we were talking about how you get how they get you a, a heart or a lung yeah, or like whatever. Yeah, we were in that process, weren't we? That's we were right. on the journey. Yeah. We were on the journey. We were. Jam and was dead. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm dead. Uh, well, Why's it got to be me? <laughs> All right, okay. For the purposes of the podcast, but it's it's the other person that's getting the tra- really you're trying to find. A, a match for the person that needs one. So it's, exactly, it's more about like what you need, or like as or, can I be the person that's now getting a heart? Or okay, or you can be the person. Do you want yeah, to be the I'll be the person. Okay. I'm getting, I'm getting jammed something. All right, <laughs> we'll figure it out. But I'm re- right. Mean, what do you want from jam? Well, I don't know. This is the thing. So this is something I learned. Should be heart, right? right? Your yeah. liver, I could probably take. I reckon it depends, as long as we got similar blood, I guess, because that must count. So right? it's the blood group. Blood group counts. Yeah. So if you have the same blood group, yeah. you can donate. Or if you are, o, if one of, say, if you are O, wait, if you are O negative, yeah. Pang, you can receive jams. O anything. Anything. I'm O negative, which is like the golden. Blood, oh, so it? you could. I think you could actually give him your. Yeah. You. So you could swap over if one of you are O negative. Ah. Because O negative is universal. Right. What, both ways? To receive and to give? No, I think you can with blood anyway. So I'm O negative, and I I don't know what blood group my heart was, but um, yeah, so you can receive. Right. But if it was, yeah, I think it's either way. Is it? I hope a doctor's not listening. (laughs) What I know to be true. Yeah, is. But makes sense to us. There was another thing that I had not considered when I was listening to this particular podcast was yes. size. Yes. Right. So, so you would be lucky. I would be lucky. Yeah, because you're not so tall, are yeah. you, compared to me? Ah, okay. Mm-hmm. So you could get a female heart. Oh, rad. Yeah. Whereas I'm five, ten, eleven. Um, so that's why I had to yeah. wait so long, is because I'm tall. Yeah, you so, are quite tall, actually. Yeah. yeah so yeah. when um, I was waiting for a heart. There's not so many females that have, or many people that have big hearts because everyone's quite small. Mm. So you, when you take a heart out of a body, you need to fill that cavity. Yeah, seems so amazing. So I actually have a male heart. Wow. Yeah. And that's for performance reasons and for the fit, I guess, in layman's terms. So it's got a fit, yeah. like you say, your cavity, but it's also got a power the body. It's yeah. Hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Um, wow. And usually a bigger person has a bigger heart. Yeah. Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. And that's why a lot of tall men struggle when waiting on the transplant list is because there's just not enough organs to fit mm. them. So you'll see a lot of older guys in transplant hospitals with LVADs. And LVADs are basically mechanical hearts mm. and they the heart stops pumping. And this uh, this machine goes into like onto their heart and pumps for them, so they don't have a pulse, and they have a like a a battery pack on them all the time. So Whoa. they're powered by battery, and then they have to plug themselves into the wall at the end of the day. Um, Whoa! And they're just living relatively normal existences like this. Yeah. So some people will live a normal life and just go back to work. I coached a girl in America who was a full time primary school teacher and had an LVAD. 
Um, but then you get other people who are really ill. And uh, there was a guy who was in for like six or seven months at Papworth on an LVAD waiting and just lived in hospital for seven months. Whoa. And that's what you do to survive. Yeah. Isn't medicine amazing? Yeah. Like that. Some of it is incredible I, I didn't, now, like, it? we all live in the same world. I had no yeah. idea that is possible. Mm. And to be honest, when we were thinking about doing this interview, when you said heart transplant, I was like, they do those now? <laughs> <laughs> They've been doing them since you know? the 1960s, Jim. I had no idea. I had no idea. That's why we're here, isn't it? That's well, yeah, why we're true. here. That's why we're here. That is exactly right. To educate Cornwall. Yeah. So let's talk about the future then of Ooh. heart transplants. So you just mentioned Ooh. that they've been coming from the 1960s, which yeah. that's incredible, actually. It's crazy yeah. how long ago that was. You they know, started with pigs. That's older than a lot of shit that you would, you yeah, know. It's older than the same age as my dad. That's old. Mm. That's madness. Oh, yeah. So going forwards then, where do you personally see transplants in general going? Hmm. Um, interesting one. I actually... Um, I got a bit pally with uh, the surgeon who created the DCD heart. So it was only about 10 years ago, DCD hearts were allowed to be used. So um, the DCD was the one I was telling you about, about people mm. who were in comas, yeah. brain dead. Um, before that, there was loads of red tape around it and it was seemed like, I don't know, immoral or yeah. not right. So... Um, since then they've started using DCD hearts. He did loads of research. He's called Mr. Large and he's, he's a character. Um, anyway, so he passed that. That's being used all over Europe and America now. Wow. Um, and now he's working on using these boxes. So he, they created these boxes at Papworth that you basically put the heart or lungs onto and it, Make, it reanimates them basically so it has blood that goes through it it's pumping they're like reanimated almost living but they're not alive so when you say reanimated that, that means the heart or the, the yeah the lungs working so it stops take it out the body it's there they put it onto this machine um so if it's damaged so if the heart's like a little bit damaged after the person's had cardiac arrest mm. or whatever they can leave it on there for a few days and repair it what so they can have more donor organs so that yeah because no in the past if they won't be able to keep it going mm. of some you know keep it there they would have just to just throw well, it away yeah or mm. research yeah yeah so that is what it, he's working on now um so that's really exciting and they are also looking into, um, what was it, like mending hearts. So mm. not actually having transplants, but yeah. creating something to mend the hearts. So we don't actually have to have transplants. That's way beyond my thinking because I was like, I was about to say, what about 3D printed hearts or something in the future? I think that's a thing as well. That's probably already happened. No, that's I mean. already a thing. But what you've just said is, Avoiding the whole need for a transplant yeah. in the first place. That's that is key. his goal. And yeah. it's a pretty that good goal. Point, yeah. It's a pretty good goal. That's the obvious Absolutely. destination, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that would work though? Because, like, with your, because it was with your condition or whatever, I can't, Dan Danons. Danons. Dan Danons. <laughs> That's the way I'm going to remember it. Danons. Um, Danons. So, with, with, with that, it's like, would that be harder to do maybe with like a condition like yours because it's something that's. Uh, I don't know. Did you say it's like um, degenerative in some kind of in, uh, in a way? Muscle weakening. Muscle weakening, right? right okay. okay. Yeah, I mean, good question. Is, is that I don't something really that's going to happen with, to you? Like, is that something you're going to have to deal with forever? Again. Yeah, or maybe again. 
I don't think it will happen to my heart because my heart's like a completely different yeah. heart with different cells. Ah, of course. But I don't know what's going to happen to my muscles. Right. Uh, hoping I'll go to the gym and keep fit and muscular. So but, is that something um, you do now then? Is you're, you're quite try. health sensitive? Yeah, I try. I think, Conscious, you know, rather. it's common sense, isn't it? We should all be eating healthy food. We should all be eating our five a day. We should all be walking or moving our bodies 30 minutes a day. Yeah. We should all be doing this. It's just, I'm like, I probably really should be doing this. You've had mm. that serious, well, the biggest reality check though. Yeah. And you've put yourself in the position now where you're like, I've got to live a good life. Yeah. Why do people have to go through shit to get themselves to a position of, I need to look after myself. It's very frustrating. Mm. I think that to myself sometimes. I mean, we've just been to McDonald's on the way here. It's easy to take things for granted. It mm. is. It's so easy. Oh, and I some do. people get away with that, you know. I'm um, awful for it. I think there's a, a bit of a pandemic in young people of not looking after themselves these days. It's that people, you know, there's a lot of Says people... the guys who go to Bodmin McDonald's. <laughs> exactly, that's me. I'm talking about myself, actually. Um, and some days I think I literally haven't moved. To be fair, yeah. I did get a McDonald's before this. Hey. <laughs> chicken sandwich, apple pie. It's funny though, it depends though, because a lot of people... There's a lot going around, like you sit on social media particularly. It's all about, everyone's all about health. I'm healthy. I'm going to the gym and stuff all the time. I'm being healthy. It's not necessarily healthy. But it's not. Most of it is, most of it is about aesthetic, aesthetic isn't it? Mm. It's not about necessarily being healthy. They pay it off as well, being hats off oh, I am people healthy. that are healthy. Yeah, yeah for but, sure. But there's but a, it is a I mentioned it one. to you on the way down, um, and we've mentioned drugs, so I'm going to mention them again because I feel like we can. Young people will do that. They'll go to the gym. They'll take photos, they'll eat McDonald's, and then they'll go out and do loads of cocaine, drink like fuck, and then go back, mm. take photos of themselves at the gym. That Can't relate. Surely, I, I know loads of people that do that, you <laughs> yeah. know? And that cannot be good. It cannot be good. And, and I cannot but feel that that's something that our generation has really, really hammered as well. You know, looking at, like, my grandparents' generation, mm. they lived a way more healthy lifestyle than we did. They didn't even have access to McDonald's for a start. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest one. Or cocaine for that. Well... Mm. It's true. As far as I'm aware, anyway. <laughs> Gran, if you want to spill the beans. Um, Let me know. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I think, um, you know, going through uh, a transplant or cancer or anything like that, it makes you so much aware of your life mm. and especially your mortality. Mm. Um, mortality is a very big thing in transplant life. You know, before when you're on your assessment, you get told that... Um, you probably have about 15 years average to live. So that means for me, that's like 35. Yeah. You know, I'm hoping that I'm going to live longer than that or I can get re-transplanted or some bloody miracle will happen. Uh, but it does make life uh, more precious. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. it makes you not fuck around and waste your time and be a bum. Do you think that's what's happened with you since then? So with all mm. this stuff that you're doing now since your operation and uh, recovery and all that, mm. And doing your podcast and all the coaching and things that you're doing now with all these people. Is, do you think that's given you, like, this, this has then given you your, like, purpose to go and do things? Is, do you think that this is the thing you're meant to do with your life or something? Or yeah. Do you not think of it that way, maybe? I don't know. <coughs> it, sorry, I'm going to cough. I've got dodgy lungs as well. <laughs> um, it's definitely a part of my purpose. Um, I mean, how could it not be? Um, but I'm very aware of not making it my whole purpose. Yeah. Because otherwise it would just be transplant, 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 transplant. Like, mm. and what else? Yeah, consuming, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that is a part of my life. Um, 
you know, all the experiences I've had, I I just think it would be a waste not to mm. support other people going through that. I know that I am particularly confident and, I don't know, aware. I'm very into my self-development and I know that my experiences and what I've learned can help other people and not everyone's confident on that journey. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And to also, you know, shout out to those doctors and be like, look, maybe this isn't good enough or this isn't good enough or have you thought about this? Like, they're not all perfect. Mm. You know, everyone thinks they're gods, but, you it's know, they're only humans. quite a refreshing thing to hear, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I've I've been very frustrated with doctors in the past with yeah. various bits and pieces that I won't disclose. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's nice to hear someone such as yourself who've relied on them mm. still criticise yeah oh god so you see here so many young people especially young women who go to the doctors um and they just say oh you've got a cold or you here's some antibiotics then it turns out they have bloody heart conditions or heart failure Mm. and it's awful and that is that is that's just the issue with gps is they don't you know they don't have that thorough understanding of heart conditions in young people and that is definitely an area that needs to be worked on young people and yeah. heart conditions it's medical gaslighting i think people call it, isn't it? there we go yes, yes. yeah because i've been on the receiving end of that one yeah a few times yeah and it's shit it's and it shouldn't it shouldn't happen just because we're young doesn't mean that we don't have health conditions of course not yeah. and it's invisible because you know we all look so healthy and young and oh what there's no care in the world sort of thing. Well, actually, yeah. there is. Mm. Um, and, you know, our bodies aren't always, you know, rosy. If they're not looking after the young, what who are they looking after? It's <laughs> 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 one way of putting it. Makes sense, bud. Do they not want to like, keep us alive? Well, well, you know, we're it's, precious. They don't, have a lot of, they don't have a lot of time, do they? So this is very, it's always very generalised, isn't it? It's You've got seven very, minutes, go. There you go, yeah, there you go. That's your time. This yeah. is the time I can allot to you right now. If you can get an point, appointment in the first place. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a barrier. Like, if you're on one side of the barrier and you go to the GP, they're like, nah. Like, go home, take these antibiotics. And then once you jump over that barrier yeah. and you actually have a serious condition and you're young, they're like, oh, shit, like, we need to look after you. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not past that barrier, it's so hard. Mm. And, you know, any just advice for young people who think they have a health condition, just keep pushing and pushing. Mm. You know... If no one's listening, go to bloody A and E. Like, yeah, um, it's um, a series of gatekeepers. I f- I feel like yeah. you know, yeah. like the reception, the phone calls, the first one. So you ring, you might not get through. You are caller number forty. In yeah, the queue. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I've got to go to work. Yeah, right. Or I've got, you know, you've got half an hour crib do. break or something. Yeah, you can't stay on the phone. No. So that's your first one. You get put off by that, then you get through, and you speak to the receptionist. Got some shitty music in the background. Yeah, I'll tell you what, my surgery's music's good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know it. It's in there. Um, Bring them all the time. The receptionist, yeah, unfortunately. The receptionist is like another gatekeeper, aren't they? They're like, what's your problem? Mm. You know, all that. Oh, they're bitches. And it's painful, yeah. And they're just like fed up of hearing everyone's like crap. I, I have to be. put my like bitchiest voice on when I'm <laughs> like, it's like bloody Game of no, Thrones, yeah. like getting through them. If you don't take like ownership of your own health, which yeah. I'm sure you've done, obviously, um, and tell them what you want exactly, mm. they just don't bother. But if you make it easy for them and spell it out, I feel like they're like, oh, this is an easy one. Blah, blah, blah. Well, hold Here's on. So just like going from like your exam, um, experiences at yeah. sort of 12, at 12, was it, mm. you said? So did you, and you said you had little like, like heart episodes and stuff. 
So did you have like small things, maybe go to the doctor and then maybe they didn't say anything? Or did you, and then did you have to have like a big episode where you felt really ill, like in the middle of a class or something at school and then you had to go to the hospital and then that's when they clocked on? Or was, was it? So for me, um, it was completely different from heart. Um, so I was in year seven, I think, and I was feeling really ill. It was Christmas 2010. I don't know if you remember the um, swine flu epidemic. Yeah, I do, yeah. Love that one. Um, anyway, so they thought I had swine flu um, near Christmas, a few days before Christmas, and um, we go to try and find these Tamiflu tablets, whatever they're called. None ever, anywhere. Um, I get really ill, keep going to the doctors. They're all just like, oh, no, be f you'll be fine, go home kind of thing. 12-year-old blonde red-cheeked young girl like yeah. you know you're not gonna really bother are you um it got to i think the day before christmas eve i was super super ill went to like um one of the small hospitals a and e and he looks at me and he does my obs and he's like you need to go to a and e um yeah. you need to go to hospital yeah so i went to true hospital um not true torbay hospital that's when i lived in devon um Ugh. and i i know <laughs> right it's <laughs> over <laughs> Um, <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Jam, cream first. Fruit. Oh, really? Get out. No, mm -hmm. I do one of, one of like each. That, is it? I've got Cornish heritage. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. Oh, one of each, that's not bad. I can yeah. A blend. Partial. Yeah. Rational. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. Um, so I go to the children's uh, ward and I'm there for a few days. Uh, Christmas Eve comes, really, really ill. The doctor says to me, if you can drink this half a litre of water, you can go home. Fucking what? I know. <laughs> That's the test. <laughs> yeah, literally. literally. <laughs> so my mum's like, fuck no, that is not happening. So then we stay. And in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve, um, they give you like, um, they gave me this like inhaler, you know, like blue inhaler. Mm. They gave me like that for a mass. So I was getting like hits of it. It's quite nice though, isn't it? I've had that. I've I, got asthma. And I, I cannot recollect. Shit. Oh right, okay. I love that stuff. Um, I do. I do have it in a little form now, but right. um, not in the big form. So I had this mask on with it coming through, and that stuff makes your heart go quicker. Mm. And they didn't know I had a heart condition. So you knew you had this heart condition previous before this. No, you didn't. So this no. is how they found it. out about this it. This is the calamity. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so my heart goes faster, faster. Can't breathe. That's why they put gave me this mask with this um, gas and I just blank out and I've had a respiratory rest and my heart stopped. Oh, um, so then they crash me, like crash team, take me down to intensive care. Um, and yeah, that's when they found out I had the heart condition. Right. So they, they didn't even know when I was in hospital. This is exactly it. So this is where the, like, the problem is that they've just considered it. They've just not gone deep enough to begin with to to figure out exactly what the problem was. They've had to, you've had to go basically pretty much die. Died. Yeah. Die for them to figure out that you've got this condition. <laughs> Luckily you died, if you want to use that word, in the right place there. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it sounds like they exasperated arrest, the situation, you know? to be honest. I, I really wish I'd sued that oh. doctor, but you know, it's a bit late now. Mm -hmm. You know, just yeah. for the, um, it's negligence, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. It is negligence, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But then they, they could argue that they didn't know you know, yeah, but know. how would they? But know? Then how are you meant to figure out? That's it is difficult. I feel like we're in time. a we're in a very difficult position right now in the UK. Like unless we sort the NHS out, this is going to keep happening. It probably is happening right now. It's oh, really yeah. sad. This kind of shit. I was, and, yeah. Sorry. You no, you carry on. 
I was talking to my friend, uh, Rebecca, who um, is an organ donation nurse, and um, we were having a chat about the NHS. And basically, we were saying that the NHS can, like, fix you, mm. but then it's like, goodbye. Mm. Like, yeah. you can go now. <laughs> mm. Like, they can do the work, but then they can't do the aftercare I feel very it's well. The, it's the preventative side of it as well. There's a lot of preventative measures to be undertaken as well, mm. isn't there? Like. And yeah. for like yourself, I know as a twelve-year-old, you're not going to go out and buy a blood pressure monitoring kit or an oxygen meter I for do your have finger. One now. You have one now, but <laughs> yeah. like, and what are they like, fifteen quid or something off Amazon or some shit? Yeah, probably not like expensive. That. I'm not a doctor, but I recommend everyone goes out and buys one of those fuckers. Keeps yeah. it under the kitchen sink, checks it every six months. Blood do it. pressure thing, mm. paracetamol. Because it's stuff you cannot. You won't know if your blood pressure is high. It's vital signs. It is. And other than feeling unwell, which is quite a common thing, and if you're a doctor, they might make you drink a pint of water, see how unwell you are. (laughs) Yes, yeah, we are. You need to know. And if you could ring up the doctors and say, my blood pressure is this, Mm. they'll be like, okay. That's the thing. You have to have the confidence. Whenever I ring up my uh, GPs, I go, I'm Eliza. Uh, I'm a transplant patient. I'm immunosuppressed. I'm clinically vulnerable. And I want to talk to the doctor, please. Yeah. And then right. they just go, okay. Yeah, lay it on, lay it on hard. And lay it on thick. Rid- what yeah, are you going to say? say thick. <laughs> With a f. Yeah. Give them hell. Tell them exactly what you need. But it's interesting because um, I had an infection the other week, and uh, it must have been a new doctor that was on. And you know, you do like online. Uh, you know, you send a thing online and they call you. Like yeah. Consult, yeah. This doctor didn't look at my notes and just went, "Oh, um, his his." Um, can't even remember what he said, but it was like, oh, you'll be fine. Come back in a week if nothing's changed. And then like five minutes later, I get this call from him going, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't look at your notes. Mm. And I'm like, well, that's not very good. You mm. just looked at 24 year old young woman. Yeah. And that's well shit. I know. Isn't it? Yeah. It's really shit. And for like your parents, that must have been I very difficult. No, I mean, yeah, (laughs) not that one moment. But like growing up with like a daughter that they didn't know had this issue and the doctors weren't being very cooperative throughout the whole thing. That must have been a little bit scary for them. Yeah, I mean, it's just the uncertainty and the unknown of it. Like my mum, from the point that I was in hospital on Christmas Eve in a coma on Christmas Day, my mum's been there by my whole side. And then when I went through my transplant, my dad basically moved up to Cambridge and got an apartment so he could live there for two months whilst I was in hospital. Um, He'd bring me food every day because we all know hospital food is shit. Um, So it was like trolley dash every morning. He'd go to like Morrison's or Sainsbury's and get me food. Wow. (laughs) Good on your dad. Yeah. Yeah. he's, He's a good one. Yeah. Shout out to dad. He always likes a shout out. He's always like, Father. can you talk about me? in your <laughs> 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 He'll be listening back and like scrolling through, trying to find them this moment. Yeah. Uh, where's my shout out? Yeah. Right, we'll put a time in. Must the be in there somewhere. <laughs> put it in the description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, tell us more about these false alarms that you had. False alarms. Um, So, false alarms. Yeah, so they're when you think you're going to get an organ and then you don't. Uh, We got to the point where I was blue-lighted, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I was blue-lighted, had the police behind me, which is quite nice. Uh, All cars separating, Mm. uh, which is quite fun. Part of the seas. 
<laughs> were you sat in the front at this point then? Or no, you, I had to be in the, the bloody bed. You did have to be in the bed. I, like strapped in oh. like a mummy. Oh. But um, the first time it happened, it was really bizarre because it's the first time. So you think it's going to happen. Mm. You have all this adrenaline going for your body. And um, you think, wait, who do I need to, to tell this is you know happening to? Like, who do I want to message if I don't get through this? Mm. Because there's one in 10 chance of dying right. in surgery. Right. So... I called, I called it the box of reflection, this ambulance, yeah. uh, because it was just this, ma- like, I felt like my life was going before me and going, what do I need to think about if I don't wake up mm. from this? Um, so, yeah, I just messaged loads of people and then we got to the hospital and I hadn't eaten all day because it's like nil by mouth. And then it got to about half ten at night and they came to me and were like, you're not having a transplant. And I was just like, bloody brilliant. Get me a Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I honestly yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, like, I honestly I'm starving. Was, I was right. so relieved because I just wanted to eat Chinese. Yeah. Because that was the only thing I could eat. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I got Chinese and then I stayed there for another two weeks. And that was around Christmas. I just got home before Christmas. And then New Year. So Christmas and New Year is normally quite a big time for organ donation to happen. Lots of drinking, mm. lots of oh, accidents. Yeah. Okay. So you know, always be careful around that time because mm. you don't know who's going to be. So do you mean nicking your organs? Yeah. There's a lot of drink drivers around. Is yes. That what you're saying? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Am I right in saying I, I heard this somewhere within my life? Forty percent of all heart transplants come from motorbike crashes. I don't know that one. I, I heard that. You could I say I that. I know to be true. <laughs> is that, <laughs> you is that what you do? Say it's a fact. <laughs> yeah. If I don't know something's to be true, I say. Mm. Yeah. To be true. No, I, I don't know. Probably. I think there's me less, all that. I think there's less uh, bike motor accidents than there were yeah. because of like car safety these yeah. days. Mm. I think it is less. Road safety's got a bit better, isn't it? Yeah. But I can imagine it's still got to be up there. It's got to be up there with one of the most. That and often. people in comas. So that, do you think that's the thing that's now like taken over onto that then? Like, I think it's a big proportion. Other than, uh, yeah, other than people having accidents and like last minute, you know, because that's the time window on those must be less. Would they be? Would they? I don't know. I don't know the nitty gritties. Nice. I'm not going to lie. Um, I'm not a doctor. No. <laughs> We're getting deep. Um, We're asking big questions that even Eliza <laughs> can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she had all the answers. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pang. No, you're doing fine. Um, but yeah. What, what were we talking about again? You've lost False alarms. We're talking sorry, about we're false alarms <laughs> and road traffic collisions. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first. The second mm. alarm, I was. Uh, yeah. So that's why I was talking about Christmas and New Year. Oh, yeah. That's the second right. Second yeah. one was New Year's Day. I was really ill, been in AE the night before, uh, and then got this call the day after. Blue lighted up, um, and then had the same thing. It's mm. not going to happen. Um, by that point, I was just like, this is just not going to happen. Next time this happens, I'm not going to believe it. Mm. Then the next time it happened, it didn't happen. Get me a Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Get me a Chinese. <laughs> uh, there was a pretty good Chinese near the hospital. So I was in luck. Resort. Become routine at this point. It was yeah. a routine. Yeah, it was. Um, so that was the second. Third one was when I was in hospital. So I'd been in for about two weeks at that point uh, with a drip. Um because you'd been Living. just ill, because you'd be, you'd fallen ill from it. Or well, something. my heart was just so bad; right. I couldn't live at home. Oh, okay. Like so you, I was dying. Right. 
Um, so my body was failing, my senses had gone, my hearing was distorted, my taste was distorted, my stomach was full of fluid so I can eat, my, my eyes were going all blurry all the time. Uh, I couldn't walk a couple meters without yeah. having heart palpitations. And was this a similar theme through all these false alarms, or did it yeah. as these alarms? This had been going on for like six months before my transplant right. okay. yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why they got me in on the urgent list because I was urgent. Right. Um, so when I was on the urgent list, they said you're going to be waiting, waiting about two months on the urgent list. And when you're on the urgent list, that's when you're top priority. Right. So okay. even on top priority, I was still eight weeks wait right. um, because of my blood group and my height. So the third false call, I was taken down to intensive care um, and they were putting, they were like prepping me awake. So they were putting these like big tubes into my neck, ready for whatever they Shit. were going to do to me. And then all ready to go. And I get a call, we get a call from my surgeon saying it's not going to happen. Heart's not good enough. Right. They are meticulous. A surgeon's like, if a heart is not good enough, if there's one tiny thing wrong, they're not going to do it. Right. If I'm not ill enough to need it desperately. Mm. Um, they and won't take that risk, I guess. They won't take the risk. Yeah. They call it a golden period. Yeah. So you need to be ill enough to need a transplant, but healthy enough to receive one. Yeah. So why do they let you get ill enough? Well, yeah. is that, or is that just the way that the system is going at the moment? That's then? the way because there's just not enough organs. No. Yeah. So you need to be ill enough to actually Got you. need one. Because, you know, if they put everyone with heart failure, like mild heart failure on the heart waiting list, of course, yeah. no one's going to get them. Is mm. this something that like... In it's your... letting people down as well. Of course, yeah, yeah. Is this obviously something that if you lived in the US you could just jump the queue and you could like get the perfect heart quite quickly I bet <laughs> yeah, if, you got the if you're a multi-millionaire yeah. well maybe in India I don't know in America because in America you have to pay for your transplant right because it's insurance yeah, yeah. Well, so it's a million for a transplant in America it costs a million, million dollars yeah Fucking whereas I get it here for free yeah <laughs> the NHS isn't too bad, bad. Deal. not a bad deal but if you had a million quid, you'd go to America and have it done, wouldn't you? Yeah, just pay someone to just... Oh, yeah, sorry, but mate. it's still the same I system. Need same system, It's yeah. a similar yeah. system right, okay. of who's the most in need. But it just costs... You just have to pay a million pounds to have it done. Yeah, so people right. who uh, don't have health insurance mm. can't have a transplant. Shit. Yeah, Something that's like one way to yeah. think about, isn't it? It's, it's really America, dire. America's a scary place, really. It is. <laughs> in yeah. loads of ways. Like It is a scary place. Yeah, it is a very scary place. Um, I've had so many people, uh, like I've linked up with from America, who just have these like horror stories mm. of not their insurance not even giving them the money to have a transplant, and then needing yeah. to fundraise it yeah. because oh it's awful. Because the insurance just like That's not, you're not covered for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not their problem. There's charities who help pay families to be able to live near the transplant center because in America, you need to live like 20 minutes from the transplant center for the first six months. And say if you live in the next, um, what do you call it, state yeah. along, yeah, you can't have it. The fuck, man? I know, I know. Um, well, at least we're in England, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only good thing going for England well, right now. Feels like it in like yeah. on, <laughs> this conversation for sure. I find I find this really amazing and I know you've probably spoken about it in your own podcast and that but I feel hopefully the pars listen to this and you know you reach a whole new group of people because you've reached mm -hmm. a whole new group of people with me tonight like and I, yeah. I feel like it's been quite an eye-opener and you're not just sort of doing good things for the heart transplant community and raising awareness for that I think you're doing quite a lot of good stuff for lifestyle and 
and um, how to have a good outlook on your life as well. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing I say to normal people is, uh, like, you know, with mortality, not wasting your life, is what would you do if you had three months to live? Would you be doing what you're doing right now? Would you stay in this job? Would you go traveling? Mm. What would you do if you had three months to live? And then I do that every three months because I don't know how long I have. Like, I could have rejection next week and I'd be like, oh, what have I done in the last three months? Has it been worth it? So everyone should have that outlook. Like, if you're not happy with the way your life's going in the next three months or next six months, make a change. Well, I'm happy you've decided to come on this and do this with us. Right. In part of my three months. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) yeah. yeah. With that outlook, yeah, it's it's incredible. It really is. I'm sure you feel the same thing. I'm amazed, yeah. Yeah. I I think it's great. I think it's really great. Uh, Like, so with this week then... Yeah. Obviously, when we arrived, you told us that you just... You were actually on the one show, like, right now, which I found... Really incredible that you could be in two places at once. I but, know, crazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad that you picked us. To pick you you <laughs> took me away from the embarrassment <laughs> of the one show. I'm sure you're great on there anyway. But so, but like with all this stuff, like this week, what what uh, things are you doing around it? Like to, what sort of things do you do other than obviously come on the podcast and the one show? Talk to us. Idiots. Like what do you want people to be doing? Like after they've listened to this. This. Just have the conversation, have the organ donation conversation. And it's so simple, it doesn't need to be awkward. I think a lot of people think talking about death and talking about donating your organs is awkward, mm. and it's definitely not. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. It could just be like, I've listened to this podcast, and, you know, uh, this girl was talking about receiving a transplant. I feel really uh, strongly that I want to donate my organs when my time comes. I just want you to know this, like... Blah, 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 blah. It doesn't need to be deep or intense. No. or it, It's simple. And you can save up to nine lives with donating your organs. Wow. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's the same as recycling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you recycle your plastic bottles. Why wouldn't you recycle your heart and your lungs? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah, what's the point? If you, if you, if you can't use them, if you're not going to make any use of them anymore, then they yeah. might as well go use to someone else. Because yeah. you, you're going to go and save, or part of your... Part of you is going to go on to help someone else live their life. Exactly. It? And, and it really isn't that difficult conversation. It's not, I don't think it's morbid at all. Like, you no. just literally go up to him and say, do you know what? If, if I do get in an accident or whatever, by the way, just, just know that someone can have my heart and my lungs or Especially whatever. Especially to those of you who like driving fast, please have that conversation. Yeah, Thanks. I like driving quite fast. Okay, have that conversation with, with my family. <laughs> oh, my family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just need to slow the fuck down, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not hard at all. Um, it's recycling. It's you know you're almost leaving behind your legacy. There'll still still be a part of you, mm. you know, going further when you're gone. How do you think your life has changed? Has your life changed all the way? That you f- yeah. Has your, do you feel like your life's changed uh, s- since before and after? Like, and in what ways? So before I would, I mean, I doubt many of your listeners will know much about Pride and Prejudice, but have any of you watched so, Pride and Prejudice? It's a series, isn't it? Oh my God. It's, it's based a on book. It's a book, isn't Jane it? It's like a really Austin. famous big book, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. there's this, there's like, <laughs> you know, the young women and they're all flirting with the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's this one young woman who uh, has to stay at home with the mum because she's really ill and she just like lives her dying days there. Mm. And I felt like her. Right. Um, so I describe myself as like the ill 
the ill person left behind sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that was my life left behind. You know, everyone had gone to uni. Everyone was having the time of their lives. And I was stuck at home with my cat mm. going to bed eight o'clock. Yeah. You know, sleeping all the way through so many medications, not being able to just walk to the shop for a pint of milk. Like mm. I couldn't do anything without being cared for by my parents, dropped off. Yeah. Um, my life became so small and tiny. Um, and it was really fucking awful. Yeah. Like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. Like there was no light. It's like being in a train in a tunnel, but never going out. And on this total waiting game as <laughs> yeah, well. Like. Exactly. Exactly. It's a waiting game. When you're on the waiting list, you don't know when you're going to get an organ because you don't know when someone's going to die Dying. with the right measurements of height and yeah. blood group. So, and you might never get it. Like I, one of my best friends is uh, waiting for a liver. She's been mm. waiting for three years right. and she's 30. She's waiting to get married. She wants kids. She can't do any of that because she's waiting for a liver. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it's shit. Yeah. So, you know. So get on that bloody list, everyone. Yeah, exactly. If, even if like two of you do it, I'll be pretty happy with this. <laughs> Why but, message Jam when you've signed up. Yeah. How about it? Yeah. And I'll yeah. do it with you. I'll do it tonight when I go home. If I'm not on it already, I don't even know to be honest. Well, we're saying we're all on it. But tell, no, I'll do it if you've... Message s- when you've had the conversation. The, say, the conversation the is conversation. what we want. That is the important bit, I think. Isn't we it? Can or send your parents, you can do a shout you, out. You can do a shout out. Or if you don't live with your parents or you're... <laughs> Or if, you, if you're with your spouse or something. Sorry, I totally yeah. looked over that joke because I was on the serious moment. <laughs> <laughs> the rare moment. Jesus Christ. Um, or send someone a text message that's like yeah. in yeah, your family. Yeah, text is or great because it's like spouse. on paper. Yeah, exactly. It's there in writing. Let's, so let's normalise it and then um, let's get Cornwall doing it. And we want everyone Love to it. like the post if we've told us or comment or something. At least do it. That's the way it's got to be done. It's almost the greatest thing you'll ever do, isn't it? If, if someone... If I died, um, or awfully sad, obviously, to everyone. The uh, death of jam. But if I imagine it, if I could give something to someone else that helps them live their life, like that's the biggest thing you ever do that you're not even aware of. Exactly. It's incredible. Mm. It's, it's the most selfless gift to give. And it's quite an easy one to give. Yeah, because you don't even know what's happening. No. Um, and then what happens after is you go from being stuck in your own house. You, you've changed. You'll change someone's life oh, from being stuck yes. in your house yes. to smooth. What, how, I like it. Way how you I feel now. now? Well, I met the queen. So Pretty epic. did you? Yeah. Fucking yeah. Hell. We um, had a little chinwag. Lovely. Did you? Yeah. Cute. What did she say? She asked how I was doing after my transplant. Um, gave her a little wave. Mm. She shook my hand. Touched uh, the queen. Sweet. How <laughs> <laughs> many people can do that now? Are they? Um, I've ridden horses. I've gone up mountains. I've sat my own business. Um, I've had relation- failed relationships. <laughs> That's good. That's um, you learn. <laughs> living the single life. Um, hey, you were on Jam I mean, dating, though. Yeah. Won't you? Don't. Let's not go into that. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? These, like underage pods. <laughs> was it really? Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I think everyone Apologies. thought I was younger than I was. Um, what else have I done? Uh, just like being able to spend time with my family and living and going for walks and being able to be independent and living is the word there, isn't it? Living, literally living. I think we living. should probably sum up on that. Living my best life. And before we stop, I feel like this conversation has been like a Christopher Nolan film. Like where the start's at the finish and the finish is at the start and the middle's at the end and you know. Oh, it's definitely gone and a bit chaos. I've loved it because yeah. it's all made sense to me. And if it makes sense to me, it makes sense to everyone else. Go and put yourself on the organ 
donation list um, and live your life. Is I think. And let Jam know. Yeah, yeah, let me know if you're on it. Are we closing up? I think we should close up. Is there any like? Yeah, I, I don't know why I want to ask you this, but I've been wanting to ask you from the start. It's as deep as I get. Is there a quote that you live by? Is there something that you would say to other people? Yeah. Um, go by your own time clock. Not everyone else's. Um, I think going through all I've been through with my heart stuff, I wasn't able to follow everyone else's footsteps mm. and go on that trodden path, going to uni, getting a job, doing all that stuff at those ages, like 18, 20, whatever, whatever. So just follow your own time clock. If some other people are in your friendship group are getting married and, you know, buying nice, fat, big cars, that doesn't mean you need to. That's doesn't. You can just do your own thing, go traveling, go and restudy, like do nothing. <laughs> do what you yeah. do what you want, but just don't compare your own time clock to everyone else's. Live. That's a good one to say, actually. It took me a long time to learn that. Like, I, learned, I figured that out, like... Don't follow Not the crowd. That long ago. <laughs> no, no. Don't follow the crowd and just walk a path that hasn't been trodden. Just go in that bloody field and trod a path that's not. Run through the wheat fields. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that a Theresa May? <laughs> that's the one. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Forever an inspiration. Over and out. Forever. Thank you, Eliza. Appreciate yeah, thank this. You. Everyone go and check out um, Transplant Chats with Eliza. You got it. Um, On Instagram, Spotify. Apple Podcasts. That's it. Have a listen. Get involved. There is actually um, an organ donation Pacific season I did last year, if anyone's interested in hearing from donor families. Um, but yeah, that's on the podcast. But cool. just so you know. Yeah. Right on. Perfect. Well, Appreciate I've been Pang. I've been Jam. And I've been Eliza. Epic. Love it. Thank you. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>